Um, I really couldn't come up with like a good structure for how this series would work. And so I, I want to talk about it, and I'll come, I'll come back to this. But this summer, how many of you logged into our leadership uh, series this summer? And what we did in the leadership series was the goal was to, to provide people some practical tools for how they could help lead others toward the fullness of who God has called them to be. We called it a leadership series because I couldn't think of anything else to call it. I hate, I, my staff know this, but I hate the term leadership just because it's an overused term and it has a lot of negative connotation for me. And so, but anyways, that's what we called it. We called it a leader series. And, but really what it was about was how we love people well and how, and that, how that moves them towards fullness. And so we used the Good Samaritan, and I want to read it to you this morning and use that as a context to talk about what the series is going to be about. In Luke 10, 25-37, it says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love, your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? You know, there was a point in the Gospels where Jesus had answered a question one more time in a way that made them look dumb, and it says, And they asked him no more questions. <laughs> and so... Anyway, he was trying to catch Jesus. He asked him a question. And Jesus tells a parable that I'm about to read. Now, how many of you have heard this, this text before? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, your mind. Love your neighbors yourself. This is what we refer to as the great commandment. Now, what you, what you need to realize is the importance of this parable is that it's what Jesus uses to explain what we call the great commandment. And so this 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 parable has some importance. I mean, all of Jesus' words have importance, but dare I say this has some elevated importance. And so just think about that as we're reading this. this. And so the man asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus replies with this. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where he, the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So Jesus fires back a question. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. And so I know I've mentioned this a few times, but the man asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? 
And Jesus does not answer that question, but instead shows him what it looks like to be a neighbor to those around you. And, and in the end, he says, go and do likewise. Now, now in, in this series, in the summer series, there were three questions that I gave people as questions that could help us frame how we interact with people in leading them towards fullness. The first one is, Holy Spirit, how do I respond to this person? How many of you have, uh, at some point, and you're going throughout the day, interacted with somebody who, you know, caught your attention, who you came, you came in conversation with, and you felt the Holy Spirit tugging on you that this was more than just a normal conversation? And so, for me, what I'm often asking when I enter opportunities with people is, Holy Spirit, how do I respond to this person? And what the Samaritan did was he stopped and he cared for him. Now, the, to me, this is such an important thing to understand is that there's a story in Acts of a man named Ananias who was a prophet. And God told him, go to this specific place and you're going to meet this man, Saul, and he knows about the man Saul who was killing Christians. You're going to meet him. You're going to pray for him. Scales you know, are going to fall off his eyes. He's going to be able to see, and he's going to preach the gospel. And Ananias is like, oh, my gosh, like, I don't want to do this. But he, he listens to the Lord. He goes, and he has a specific appointment. That's a very unique situation where God gave him a person. He gave him a place. He gave him a prayer, and he said, go there. I've had those kind of things, but those things aren't normal. What the story that Jesus uses to explain the great commandment is not one of those kinds of stories. The story that he uses is a man going about his normal business and seeing a person in need and responding. And so what the life that God has called us to live is, yes, will there be times where he says, go do this specific thing? Yes, but the story that Jesus uses to describe what it looks like to fulfill the greatest of all commandments is he's going about his business, doing his normal thing, going on a business trip, whatever it is, and he encounters someone in his going and he responds. And so this is the basis for what love looks like as a Christian. The first question is, how do we respond? The second question that, that, I, that we talked about this summer was, how do we continue with this person? And the Samaritan got him on his own donkey. He bandaged him up. He put him on his own donkey, carried him down the road. He kept, he didn't just like respond and like, you know, kind of bandage him up and leave. He actually put him on his donkey and he continued down the road with him. The, thir the third thing uh, is that the Samaritan kept, brought him to an innkeeper where he could stay for a while before he would be able to make the journey back to the place that he was supposed to be. So the third question is, how, who can I connect this person with? Who else can aid this person in their process? And, and so I use these questions just as possible questions for people to ask God as they're encountering people um, so that we could enter into partnership with the Holy Spirit on how we love others towards Jesus. And so all of these, all of these questions are focused on very practically, how do we love? Very practically, how, the, how do we love? And so what, we, what we've decided to do as we were praying through this is that we want to do a series that 
practically focuses on stories and examples and scriptures and ideas and like just name it that help people practically love people on a day-to-day basis. So this isn't a series where we're going to talk about some lofty thing or some big theological idea or some, and, and sometimes those things are actually important. We, we, we tend to, in the charismatic movement, tend to think that things like theology don't matter, but they actually do matter. Um, but we, this isn't a series about this. This is a series about how do we love people well as we're going about our day, and we want it to be super practical. And so I was talking with Andrea, and I was like, how do we do this? Like, I can't really come up with a structure. And Andrea came up with this idea. She was like, well, why don't we just, like, let it be a floating series where we might preach it a couple weeks and then set it down and then talk about it in a couple weeks and set it down. And so we are going to be starting this series next week, The Art of Loving Well, and, like, I might preach a couple weeks on it and then preach you know, on something else. We'll do Advent and Lent and we'll do other series. But this series might be a series that we're continuing for five years. Who, who knows? But we, we believe that one of the most important things that we are called to do as a community uh, is to equip people to love well. To equip people to love well. You mean to switch mics? Okay. So, like, long story short is we're, we're going to do this series, and the goal is to equip people to love well. And I think it's something sometimes we fail to do in the church is just to equip people to know how to love in really, really, really practical ways. Uh, Alana told us a story this last week. How many of you remember last year at Advent where we created the little baskets that you could give to a neighbor? Um, Alana was telling us the story. She's like, you know, I'm not a very extroverted person. I don't like just like going over and talking to random people. And she said, we created this basket. And she said, I'm going to be honest. I had the kids send the basket over and was just felt embarrassed to go take it. And so the kids took the basket over and the neighbor actually came back and, and, and talked to them and, and they became really good friends with this neighbor and started hanging out with them. And then they had some other neighbors move in, and they all became good friends. And something as simple as just giving a basket to a neighbor created this open doorway, just this little tiny crack of light that created the opportunity for love and relationship to happen. And so I think sometimes what we have in is we have a sentiment of love in our heart, but we don't have the practical language of how to express love to people. And so that's what we're going to focus on, is how do we do this? And uh, we asked Anna to create, or at least start creating, a piece of art that would... Hold on. We asked Anna to start creating a piece of art that would just go up, we would put it up any time that we are talking about talking about this. And so, I don't know, it may, it may evolve over the next couple weeks, but we, we really want to make this an emphasis and a focus of, of what we're called to as a church. And so, anyway, 
We are we're excited about this, and I'm going to kind of jump into the series. I'm trying to give a little bit of an overview of it this week, but I'm going to jump into it this next week. How many of you were here when, or you were listening when John Wallace spoke on returning to first love? And that that uh, week really gripped me personally, and I sh- kind of shared a part two of it this last week. And let me let me read to you like just really quickly what I shared from last week. First John four ten it says it says this: This is love, not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So love is not that we loved God, but it's that he first loved us and that that love is seen in Christ Jesus. And so what the, what the Lord showed me was, as I was listening to John's message and trying to apply it in my own life, is that oftentimes what I had done in returning to the love of God is remembering some spiritual experience that I had had in the past. And what I end up doing is focusing on my own spirituality. And, and God's like, no, I want you to come back to the very love I have for you. Because passion, your passion, your love for me will not sustain you. But my love for you, my passion for you will sustain you. And so that's what First John 4 tenths tells us. It says, this is love, not that we love God, but that he first loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Everybody say, my passion will not sustain me. His passion will sustain me. Okay, so, so that's the foundation. When we talk about loving well, the basic foundation is that we encounter the love and the grace and the mercy of God. But I want to uh, just relook at for a moment, and I'm going to tell us a story, and we'll, we'll move to communion. I want to relook at a moment the, uh, the second part of that verse. First John 4, 10 through 12, it says, This is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another... God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. His love is made complete in us. So the way that love is made complete in us is that as we grasp the foundation of God's love for us, what it results in is an outflowing love for others. It results in a life of love. It results in a daily example of his love being demonstrated to all around us. And that's that's what we are going to hone in on in the series is in the art of loving well is practically on at a really practical level, how do we partner with the spirit of God to live out a life of love? Because living out the the fruit of love that's what it looks like for love to mature into a, into a tree, for it to come into something that's complete, that's whole, that's not just, not just rooted in the ground, but grows up and bears fruit. We, we are built upon God's love for us, but the maturing, the completing of his love in us is the result of his love flowing through us to others. In fact, we see this in Abraham's promise that we are blessed to be a what? 
a blessing. Abraham is blessed to be a blessing. And a lot of, a lot of times we think that we bless so that we can get a blessing. But Abra- Abraham's promise was that he was blessed to be a blessing. And so maturity in the kingdom means that my life is always giving away everything I have. And that as I give, God is continuing to flow through me. He's continuing to multiply me. As we give our love, he multiplies love within us. As we give generously, he multiplies blessing within us. That, that is what it looks like to be a Christian, is that as we are blessed, we bless. We don't bless to get a blessing. We bless from the blessing that has come to us. And so as we love, we will continue to even further grasp his love. And so we want to become, how many of you want to become full, mature, and complete in love? And what that looks like is God's love being so grasped in your heart that it results in an outflow of love to others. So I'm going to tell you a quick story of St. Francis, and then I'm going to ask Ryan to come up and, or who's got communion this week? Colby. Okay. Um, So St. Francis... Actually, we live on the street of St. Francis over here. And if you see, I don't know if you can see it, there's a little statue of the guy over here. He's always like her, holding some animals because he was always out in nature and hanging with the animals. So anyway, there's a, there, there, St. Francis, if you ever go read about his life, he was um, amongst the most profound Christians, most profound saints in all church history. And, and some, people, some people would say he sought to live the life like Christ more than any other saint. That's like a, a statement made about him. He cared for the poor. He uh, had uh, come from affluence in his family and, and rejected that and chose a life of poverty to serve, to serve others. This doesn't mean you, everyone has to choose a life of poverty. It's just the life that he chose. Now, on the day of his conversion, actually before he was converted. If you can imagine with me in Europe in the Middle Ages or the Dark Ages, this time, um, I mean, you, you know, scriptures talk about lepers. And when you see lepers in that time, it's like, man, they are out from the city. You do not touch lepers. So we don't actually get when Jesus is laying hands on lepers, it's such a culturally shocking thing. And so the same thing was true. Leprosy was a big thing in this time. And it, this, the same thing is true then. These people aren't allowed in the cities. They're not allowed around people. And, the, you know, they're just very, 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 like, it's almost like they believe, like, almost mystically, like karma, that, like, well, they must have done something bad. And so you just, we just stay away from lepers. And so it was ingrained in people in this time to not to be repulsed by them. And, and uh, St. Francis talked about that, how he, he, anytime he would have seen a leper, he would have been completely repulsed. He would have turned, and he would walk the other way. And on this day of his conversion, he saw this leper coming down a road. And normally people would have turned and run the other direction. But like something in him that was beyond him ran to this leper grabbed the man, put his arms around him, and kissed the man. Now, you know, we, we, you know they, they would have kissed as a greeting then. I, I'm not going to run up and kiss a random man. But 
He, but his, like, there was something within him that actually, that instead of running away, he just, there was this impulse in him that had never been in him to run towards him, embrace him, and kiss him. And later, it was revealed to him that he, that he was hugging, he was embracing the very face of Christ himself, that this, this, this was the, the Spirit of God embodied in this man. And I was thinking about that story, about how what conversion looked like for him was embracing in this leper, and how he was not in his conversion immediately aware of the depravity of his sin, but he was aware of the love that was more powerful than he had ever known. He was aware of a love that was, in, that was within him that would cause him to do things that would be against the natural impulses of his culture, of his personality, of his understanding of life. His conversion experience wasn't weeping over his sin. It was embracing the love of God in the leper. And while we have to turn away from sin... I believe the most marking thing of what God has called us to do as Christians is to be those who love well, especially those who are on the fringes, especially those who are outcasts, especially those who are metaphorically so the lepers of our day. And so I believe that that, that's the way God's called this community to be. That's the way he's called his followers to be, is to be those, if you will, who, who run to love and embrace the leper. And we want to take the, an indefinite period of time to discuss how do we do that on a practical level. I, I feel like I have underestimated, so, like at some point after the 20th conversation where somebody has told me, well, I don't know who to minister to or, who, like the question that the man's asking, who's my neighbor? Like, I don't know how to find these people to minister to and love. And I feel like there's, there has to be a disconnect because God has called us not to identify who is our neighbor, but to become those who are neighborly to all around us, to become those who are loved, to become those who look for the ones to run to. And so we're going to take, take this series and focus on how we love well. So kind of with that, I want to pray. And we're going to kick that off this next week. And we promise to keep it practical in these times. And if you see this, you know, we might throw out a warning on Facebook or an email. Um, but if you see the painting come up, you'll know this week we're going to be having an Art of Loving Well series. And so I want to pray and close this in prayer and have Colby come up and do communion with us. Lord, we just pray that you would, you would show us how to love well, God. That, that we, would, um, we would not be gifted at every other thing but love, God. 1 Corinthians 13 says that if we can prophesy, if we can know mysteries, if we can speak in tongues, if we can do all this but we cannot love, then it's nothing. And so, God, I pray if there's anything that we craft well in our life, it's the ability to love. I pray that we would grasp how deep, how wide, how great the Father's love is for us. And that from that place, we would know how.
to love well. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. We pray that you would help us in this time. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.